to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be uh, mainly starting this morning as we get into the lesson. It is good to see everyone out. It's been good to worship with you so far. Uh, it's been a very good time to be able to sing to God. It's been a uh, everyone has been singing out, and it's just been encouraging to be here so far. Um, if you're visiting with us, we're very happy and pleased that you are uh, with us this morning, worshiping with us, striving to learn God's word with us. Uh, as we do, if you're uh, a member here, well, just it feels like a year has passed since we last were together. So, <laughs> I, uh, that's uh, just a little joke there. Uh, <laughs> um, it, I don't know why, but that just tickled me when I thought of that earlier and I haven't been able to get out of my head. Now I won't be able to get out of yours either. So anyway, uh, if you want to go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to be starting there in just a moment as we get into uh, just trying to answer a question that I want to pose uh, from the very outset, and that is how do I study the Bible? As we get into a new year, um, we're going to be seeing a lot of people starting New Year's resolutions, and I think for the majority of them are, quite frankly, garbage. Uh, there are others that are more admirable and make sense, one of which I think we should all strive to, to uh, not only start but continue is an annual Bible reading, and, and that's really what I want to focus on this morning. Um, whatever your Bible reading schedule is going to look like, I want to just go through a couple of things that I think are helpful to think about as we study the Bible, as we're just trying to make sure that we come to it daily, uh, kind of like the psalmist, much like David. I think, uh, as you see on the screen before you, uh, Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 18, uh, it says in Psalm 119, and verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My, my soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. Really all throughout this psalm, you see very similar kind of language about just the, the, the need to take in God's word. The desire that is ever present in the early morning to late in the night to strive to know God's word more. That notion of do, don't hide your word from me. Bring it before me. Open my eyes that I may see it. Open my eyes that I may take it in. And let me hide it in my own heart that I might not sin against you. Just that language pervades the psalm. And it's really beautiful because of it. Um, but with all that being said, we have the, the will of God, the full will of God given to us. It perfectly preserved and, and, and very easily accessible. And yet with that being the case, an interesting question you hear from time to time from many different people is, I, I just, how do you study it? How do you begin a study of the Bible? Um, and that comes from people who have never studied it before. Two people have been Christians for some time. Uh, there are actually quite a few people that tend to ask this question. Um, and, and so I, I think it's an interesting question to, to ask that we need to ask ourselves and really, really strive to answer and, and put into application in our own lives. I think an annual Bible reading is such a good idea. Uh, it, it kind of helps you schedule a daily Bible reading, making sure that you're coming to God's word um, as much as you possibly can. So I just want to this morning either supplement 
maybe an already well-kept habit or routine that some of you have when it comes to that uh, uh, Bible reading schedule, or maybe just help establish some form of that for those who just don't know where to begin. And so as we begin to answer this question of how do I study the Bible, the very first thing is going to seem so silly to even mention, but I think it needs to be mentioned, and that is read the Bible. Very simply, go to it, open the book, and start reading. And and and, and just listen. Um, I think often a lot of people, and I've even had conversations with people, I had a conversation with with a guy that I was at, that I am very close with, and um, he was just talking about how he how he just he wants to take the Bible. He wants to read it for himself, and he wants to know what it says. I, he's always his whole life had pe- had people over his shoulder telling him what he needed to think as 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 he was looking at the Bible. And so his solution was, I'm going to get away from all those people, and before I even get to the Bible, I'm going to read a bunch of stuff that a bunch of other men have written. <laughs> and I just kind of paused for a second. And I thought. Okay, you don't physically have men over you, over your shoulder, looking over it, telling you what you need to think. But you're still essentially doing that by going to all these other sources other than the direct source. So when I say read the Bible, I mean read the Bible before anything else. If you want to know, if you, uh, sometimes there are stories that become classics. There are stories that get, uh, books that are published that get very, very popular very quickly. And then sometimes you'll have people that get very deep into the fandom there. They will get into all these theories and they will get into all of these ideas of what they think the characters are going to do in the future and things like that. And then essentially you'll have all of this uh, frivolous commentary from people that are just so invested in fiction. And then you have every now and then an author tweet something saying, well, that's really not the direction I was going. Then that really isn't uh, what I was trying to do in the book there. And then the, the fans will just essentially disregard that completely, disregard the opinion of the author, and they say, no, I want to take it this way. Well, that's, that's not logically how we're supposed to come to conclusions. If you want to figure out the intent of a story, if, if someone writes you a letter, you're not just going to bring it before a group of people that had nothing to do with that writing and say, what do you think this means? No, you're going to take it to the author because they're the one that penned those words, and you want to see what they meant by them. And so when it comes to trying to begin a Bible reading or trying to learn how to study the Bible, we need to just very simply come to God and listen to Him and only Him and not try to bring everything else along with that. Just come to His Word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 10, it says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of, uh, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. I like how many times Paul kind of reemphasizes the fact that Remember, this is not just worldly thoughts. This is not just from worldly sources. He kind of says it over and over again. He just emphasizes the fact, this is from God. And the only way that you're going to be able to figure out his thoughts is by coming to the one who has communicated, by coming to him. You're not going to get it from anyone else. We can't search the minds of, of our fellow men, much less of our God. And yet, a lot of times, God has given us his opinion, his will, much more clearly and much more accessibly than much of our fellow man. 
And so we need to just, we need to not take that for granted and we need to truly strive to just seek after that and only that. Don't, don't, don't read fleshly thoughts first, then spiritual thoughts after that. Don't come to a commentary and then the Bible. I'm not saying that we can't supplement it with, with other readings, but our ultimate uh, perception, our ultimate con conclusions needs to be God's conclusions. Because there are a lot of people who will write commentaries who come to different conclusions. So we need to be uh, we need to be focused on that, strive for that, and ultimately be satisfied with whatever God may end up uh, concluding <clears throat> in His will. Well, going beyond that, just sticking to this notion of just just go ahead and read it. Um, you, in tr when you're trying to make applications from these passages, when you try to figure out what conclusion God wants you to come to, a lot of times it's much easier to make those connections when you already know the story. When you already know the beginning, the plot, and the end. It's very hard. <laughs> I said this a few weeks ago in a different study. Um, have you ever, have you ever uh, started watching a movie with someone? Who, and it's in the middle of a series. Like you can just think about the Avengers series. They're, they just concluded like this first phase a couple of years ago. And, and out of four movies, and several mini movies uh, besides that, but just, we'll just stick with the four. Can you imagine someone coming to that last part, never having watched any prior movie from that, and coming to watch it in theaters with you, who really do enjoy it? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Someone, you're watching it together, and they're just like, oh, who's that? That's the main character. Who's that? That's the villain. What are they doing? Well, maybe you should go and watch the other films. You ever had a conversation like that? I, I mean, it's not fun. It's annoying. How much more annoying is it, I, I wonder, for God to have given every bit of evidence that needed to be given to his creation to learn from, and then for his creation to just say, you know what, I, I think I'm just going to leave. I'm going to let that collect dust, and I'm just going to let someone tell me what it says. Or I'm just going to let someone, you know, even if I'm reading it, you know, a commentary tell me what it says. We need to really, really appreciate what God has given us. And beyond that, we need to make sure that we're not just taking for granted the entirety of his word. We need to try and take it all in. That's one of the points of the Bible class that we just started this morning, is trying to make sure we have that overview so that way we can make some of these connections. There is much foreshadowing throughout the Bible that is fascinating, but it's not fascinating to those who just don't know. Um, it's not going to be as in, in, inspiring. It's not going to be as encouraging if we don't have those things already in our minds. Uh, over in Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, after Jesus has beaten death, he's raised, uh, as, as he's been resurrected, he meets two men on the road to Emmaus, and they don't recognize him at first, but as he's talking to them in verse 24, or in verse 25, as they are speaking with much doubt because they, they're saying, well, the man that we were looking at, Jesus, he was put to death. He's not really the one we were searching for. He says, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Do you know how many books that is? With, with Moses and all the prophets. That's at least, when you talk about Moses, I don't think it's just talking about Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And even, it's talking about all that, the, the Pentateuch, it's talking about all the first five books of the Bible, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And so, 
not only do we have that established, but then he goes on to the Psalms and the prophets. And he even reestablishes this or reemphasizes this later on in verse 44 as he's talking to his apostles because they need to, to make those uh, connections. They need to connect the dots a little bit that they hadn't already. Now, all that just to say, the, they needed like little nudges because they already had that history in their mind. But sometimes not everybody's going to have that history. And so what we need to do is start building it immediately. So that way we can get that level of encouragement, those light bulb moments that are so, um, that are so motivational in the faith. I think about Jude 11. That's another moment, uh, another verse where uh, there, is, there is several stories, several characters that are mentioned in Jude 11. And he mentions Balaam, he mentions Korah, and he mentions Cain. Those are three different characters, three different stories in the Old Testament. And I think he's speaking to people who understand exactly what he's referencing there. Now, there are people today who would look at that verse and they'd say, I have no idea. I know who Cain is. Kor's Rebellion, don't know where, what even that means. And I don't know what Balaam, what that whole story is about. But if you have that knowledge, it's easier to make those connections that the New Testament writers are trying to give you. So we need to start building that foundation now. And it could be that there is no no knowledge whatsoever. Well, you could start in Luke chapter 1 as he starts with the eyewitness accounts. Remember how he starts with the first four verses talking to Theophilus? Hey, I've, I've put much effort into making this for your betterment, for your encouragement. Or maybe you just simply need to start with John 1 in the beginning, which really goes back to Genesis. And you start with, there is a creator. And that creator was manifested in the flesh. And that is Jesus. And it may just be that you need to start at Genesis, but start in the Bible. Uh, and that could vary from, from person to person. But I just think about, I, I was in a chess first for a while, not too long ago. And I didn't, you know, kind of like there's music theory, there's chess theory. And I thought that was just fascinating that you could get to such a level of difficulty that you actually have to start studying certain strategies, studying theory for a game. Uh, but it actually gets quite complicated and very involved. But as I was trying to, you know, figure that stuff out, I learned very quickly, if you don't first know the rules, if you don't know what the different, what the different, uh, you know, characters do on the chessboard, you're not going to understand at all what the theory means. It's just like with music. You're not going to be able to understand what all of these symbols are unless you first understand, you know, uh, unless you first understand what a note is and what the scale is. And it's just going to be much more difficult. And so you take step by step by step from the most foundational, from the most fundamental things to learn, and you build on to that, uh, the, those deeper connections and the more complicated things. Still in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, in verse 14, it says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. As he continues this thought we were talking about earlier, but he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. <clears throat> In verse 16, <coughs> For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you, uh, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? And so as he's talking about this, he's kind of 
getting into some other issues about some partiality that some of the Christians there are showing with certain individuals. But all that just to say, there is the acknowledgement of, there, there is a certain kind of infancy sometimes in faith. But, but we have to move on from that, and it's expected to grow. But sometimes we have to figure out where the person is before we can start uh, studying, uh, uh, before we can start the study, so that way we can start in the best place for them. And so it could be in Genesis, could be in the Gospel. We need to just start with the foundational aspects, being the Creator, Jesus, the Son of God, and the Gospel. Well, going beyond that, this foundation of faith only comes, as we've already indicated, by listening to God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, very familiar passage. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So many people want to come to hear the Word of God, really not just coming to listen, but either coming to make God listen to them or listen to other people talk about God. And, and just to reemphasize what we've been saying, we need to be satisfied by just listening to what God has to say for what our Father, our Creator, wants us to hear from Him directly. And we don't need to, we don't need to supplement it with all these other things. It's beautiful on its own. Now, again, that's not to say that it's, that it's uh, you know, wrong to read a commentary every now and then, but we don't make that the Scripture. We come to God respecting these words because they are words from our Creator, from our Father. I, I would just ask a question with all that being said. Can you build this, the, the appropriate foundation by going to a commentary first? You never can. You... you and, we need to be more focused on what God says than what anyone else says, whether it be a favorite teacher, as it kind of talks about in 1 Corinthians in the first few chapters. We need to be more focused on that than maybe a YouTuber that we like to listen to. We need to be fo focused and more adamantly desiring to hear the words directly from God. So all that just to say, the first thing we need to do is just simply read the Bible story and then we can build on top of that. But that's the second point, really, is this notion of building on top of that foundation. How do we build with that? The first thing I would say is we need to read with the theme in mind, with God's theme in mind. And as we already looked at in Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, Jesus, as he's talking to the uh, men at the road to the, on the road to Emmaus, Emmaus, and as he talks to his uh, disciples in verse 44, saying essentially the same thing, what is the theme of all Scripture? From Genesis to Revelation. It's Jesus. Jesus is the thing. He is the character that the entire story hinges upon. He, he is, his life is literally the, the very uh, distinct point that even our, our calendars are based off of. Uh, and so we need to read with that thought in mind. Over in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 9. Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 9, Paul, we're going to read another uh, passage, uh, another letter from Paul that says something somewhat similar. Verse 9 of Ephesians chapter 1, he says, He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. And that kind of stops in the middle of a sentence. But that's the main point that I want to focus on is what Paul says is the summing up of all things. In conclusion, it's Christ. Over in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 25. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 25. 
something somewhat similar. He says, of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been made manifest to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. So there was a mystery that was provided throughout the Old Testament. And what was that mystery? Well, it's revealed in Christ. The whole point was to get us to him. And again, this is harkening back to some of the things we talked about in the Bible class and we will continue to review and talk about in the Bible class. But that's the theme. It's Jesus. And don't forget it. And so when we're reading through Leviticus, and maybe we just can't figure out why there's why we have to go through all of these regulations and ordinances, just understand, even though I may not get it, ultimately this was supposed to bring me to Christ. And and it's the same it's, it's the same way that, that Rahab, someone like Rahab, a Gentile woman, a harlot, could come to Christ. And so we need to, uh, we need to be fascinated in that way with just thinking about it in those terms, that Jesus is supposed to saturate every single page. Um, there was a sermon not too long ago uh, by a brother, uh, and he, he just titled the sermon, Jesus on Every Page. And he went through a few of those instances, you see Jesus, and I thought that was so appropriate. Because he really is. We may not see it, but he is. And so uh, we need to read with that notion in, in our uh, minds as we study God's word. Well, not only that, <clears throat> we need to be careful how we approach our Bible study. You can, you can read God's word every single day and still get nothing out of it if you approach it apathetically. Over in Romans chapter 10, <clears throat> Romans chapter 10, this is kind of a humorous passage because I really think Paul's being just very sarcastic as he goes through some of these arguments because he, he, he says all these different things talking about uh, prophets, talking about the law. He says, well, I mean, surely they didn't hear. Surely Israel didn't know. Oh, oh, but they did hear, didn't they? They did have prophets to come and tell them the gospel. In verse 14 of Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 14, it says, how then will they call on him, on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard. And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it, just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have. And then he begins quoting from the Old Testament. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? Well, going back to the law, Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. I mean, does that just not... Shout sarcasm. Oh, I get, well, Israel, they, there's no way they could have known. They didn't hear. No one was sent to them. No, no, there was quite a few people sent to them. Well, they just couldn't hear them. No, they had the word very readily in front of them. But, and God even says, I, I have tried over and over again. I have tried this whole time. And strongly, they just didn't want it. 
Now, there were all sorts of people. I, 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 I can, you can just tell as you read throughout the Bible story, people of Israel who would say, but hey, I know the law. You have Pharisees who say, I know all 613 of the ordinances, and I can, I, can, I can read them to you verbatim from my mind. I'm sure that there were some people that could. And yet, they received some of the strongest rebukes from Jesus. And it wasn't because they memorized the law. It wasn't because they could cite it easily. It was because they could cite it easily, and they still didn't follow it. Can we do the same thing today? When we are studying, and when we're going through our daily Bible reading, and we see something that is so staunch in its position and it's clearly contradictory to something in our own lives and we just decide, you know what, I'm just going to read right over that. We're just going to move on. And we decide that we're not going to do anything about it. No, that, that's approaching it apathetically. We can say, oh, but, but I really do care about what... But you don't if you're not willing to apply it. In uh, the beginning of the chapter, in verse 1 of Romans chapter 10, he says, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Speaking of Israel, for I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. And so again, just speaking towards that kind of mindset of, hey, they knew, they knew them all, but they did not care to actually use it and utilize it and put it in their own lives. They didn't make the application. And you could go over to James chapter 1 and verse 22, I think essentially pressing in this point over and over again throughout the New Testament. In verse 22, beginning of chapter 1 of James, it says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. And so the question we have to ask is, is that what we look like? Or, or are we just doing the exact same thing, looking at the law like, like a man that looks at his face in the mirror and then immediately forgets it when he walks away, immediately disregards the words of the Creator as soon as we close the book? Didn't mean to do that. We need to make sure that, that we are so very adamant about following these, these words that, the God, that our God has given us. In verse 26, just continuing on in James chapter 1, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but receives, deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their dis distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And you continue on throughout James, and what do you find? People, they want to be counted as righteous, they want to be counted as holy, but they are still, uh, you know, struggling over these frivolous carnal desires. And they, they, they care more about themselves than their brethren. They care more about their own interests than the interests of their brethren. And they can't even get past that. They can't even deny self. And if they can't even do that, so they're certainly not going to put their religion into practice. They're not going to put these things into their hearts that they can more look like the kind of people that God wants them to look like. It'll never get to that point. And so what does that look like approaching it apathetically? It simply just looks like not applying his word. And so we need to be careful that as we're building uh, on our knowledge and as we're trying to get closer to God that we are not guilty of that. Well, finally, what I want to conclude with is just 
the, the notion of endurance. Make sure that we don't stop just because maybe things get a little bit difficult. Over in Galatians chapter 6, uh, Galatians chapter 6, Paul says something that I think we need to hear over and over and over again as he's speaking about sowing spiritual things to reap the reward, reap those blessings. In verse 9 of Galatians chapter 6, it says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. There are always, no matter what we're doing, if we're trying to serve God, if we're trying to get closer to Him, just that alone, there are moments, there are frequent moments even, that it will feel like it's just, it, maybe it's just not worth it. There are moments where it feels like it doesn't seem like it's doing anything. And, and let me tell you, those, those moments happen more often than we care to admit. Especially when you read through something like Leviticus or Ezekiel. I have no idea what I'm supposed to get from this vision. How, what, what, is it, what good does it do me if I understand what, you know, if I can tell you what happened in this chapter, but I have no idea what's going on. Well, I'm not saying that we need to stay in a place of, of well, I'm, just, I'm okay with not knowing what's going on. But if we're studying God's word, that is never a t time that we are wasting. It is always going to better us. Even if we don't take everything out of it that we, that we should. It is never a waste of time, and it's never hurt, hurtful or hurting us or damaging us to read through the word that God has given us. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, it may be, oh, I'm in first, I'm in Titus, that's what the problem is, okay. I was... Very confused there for a second. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. <clears throat> In verse 13, it says, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. That admonition frequently gets brought up throughout the New Testament. And it is because it can be daunting at times to just very simply read in the morning for 30 minutes or just read three chapters at night before we go to bed. It can feel that way. And I... Uh, we need to be honest about that. There are moments where we get home and we've been working all day and we're so tired. And you know what? I'll just pick back up on that tomorrow. It's not worth it. No, it is worth it. And and there and especially for those that that are going to feel discouraged as they're trying to study the Bible and they just feel like I I don't think I'm getting anything out of this. You are just by simply putting it on your mind for a few moments. You are by simply getting to know, getting familiar, and intimately familiar with the text. That's never going to be a waste of time and it's never going to hurt us. It's always going to be something that, that, that helps us grow. And so don't get weary in those moments. But I'll also say that we need to understand that growth takes time. You think about the, the parable of the sower that Jesus gives and, and as he talks about the seeds that are being put in the ground. We don't know what's going on underneath. If if you are trying to grow veg, if you're trying to grow vegetables, if you're I've heard potatoes this especially with potatoes, it is the most frustrating thing to grow because you really can't see much of the progress until towards the very end. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on. It could be a complete disaster down down there. You have no idea. You're just waiting, like the farmer with hope, with confidence that you've done what you needed to do. The seed has been planted. And now you just are cultivating it as much as you can, as much as you're supposed to, and you got to wait for that harvest. Sometimes that's how it is with our Bible study. <clears throat> that's how it is with growth often. Um, again, 
another thing that I started and tried to do, not as a New Year's resolution, but just something that I tried to do. I tried to learn piano not too long ago. It didn't last long. But as, as I was going through that, I, I was using an app and I, I, I got very frustrated very quickly because you watch these videos of people that have been doing it their whole lives and it just, it looks so fluid. It looks like it's not a thought. They just very quickly and very smoothly go with, with all 10 fingers to different uh, parts of the piano and it all goes together so beautifully. Incidentally, that's not where you start. No, you start, you, you learn simply what the keys are, what notes the keys are. And even then, you might go beyond that the next week to the chords. But you know, you're not going to start by learning the notes, and then the next week, you're not going to learn Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. No, rather, what you're going to go to is hopefully uh, something like Yankee Doodle. It's not going to sound like, you know, Bach or Beethoven, but it's going to sound like the Yankee Doodle, da, da. Yankee Doodle. It's going to be over and over again. And the reason for that is because you got to get to know. You've got to get comfortable. You've got to get familiar with it. And then you can, you can grow a little bit more, but, it, but you're not going to make gigantic leaps. Now, there, there may be some moments where that's the case, but the rule is it's going to be step by step. But you know what? Sometimes that's what it's going to take. And we need to be comfortable with that. And we need to not get discouraged just because we, we expect that for the first time ever, we're going to come to the, the book of Romans and, and, and we're really going to study it. And by the end of reading all 16 chapters, well, we completely forgot the outline of Romans. Hey, that's fine. Now, I will just say, incidentally, that, that we can't stay there. But we're not going to be able to just memorize everything at the first go-through. We need to stick with it and stay with it. In First Peter chapter 2, very quickly, in First Peter chapter 2, First <clears throat> Peter chapter 2, Beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So what does he say? Long for the milk. Build that foundation. There is need to grow. And it's a good thing to recognize that growth is always needed. Because if we don't, there's a problem in and of itself. But just don't get despondent when those times come. But, but again, I want to balance that by saying don't think that it, as we talk about that, that means it's okay to just stay in a, in a spiritual state of infancy. Going back to that notion of, of waiting for the seed, you know, putting the seed in the soil and, and cultivating it the way you're supposed to, just understand we're still waiting for the harvest. We're still waiting for a harvest of some sort. We're not just keeping the seed in the ground. And we're not trying to you know, make sure that we bury it further underground. No, we're still expecting the harvest that's going to take time but but we can't just act like that it's okay to stick with uh to stick with that spiritual infancy over in hebrews chapter 5 speaking more to this notion hebrews chapter 5 in verse 12 he says for though by this time you ought to be teachers you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of god and you have come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You know, I'm going to be having a baby in the next, in the next few weeks, and I can't wait for it. 
One thing I can't wait for is someday being able to take him to like a Texas Day Brazil and me and him just feasting on all the meat that, we, that our eyes can see. Incidentally, he's not going to be able to do that as soon as he comes out. It's going to take a while for him to get to the solid food. You're going to have to start with the milk. But I would just, I would just say that's okay. It would be very strange if at five years old, if at 20 years old, he's still on the milk. And it should be strange in the spiritual sense too. We can't be satisfied and God is not satisfied if we stay in that spiritual infancy. There's need to grow. And if we're not growing, then we're backsliding. So we need to be careful of that. But finally, what we need to remember is that it is only through this kind of sincere, devoted perseverance that the fruit of God's word comes. In, in Philippians chapter 4, and this will be the final passage we look at, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. There's a lot to unpack in those couple of verses, but one of the main things I think we're supposed to take is you do not get that peace that surpasses all understanding, that, that even supersedes and the anxieties of this world, which can be very stressful. You do not get that peace unless you're someone who has really taken the time to put these things into practice in verse 8. It's not, it doesn't just work to where you, you do this one day, you do this one evening, and all of a sudden everything changes. It's going to take time, and it's going to take work. Just like with a diet, just like with trying to lose weight. You can't shave it all off in just an evening, unfortunately. It's going to take devotion. It's going to take endurance because it can be painful, but it is worth it. And we can't even describe how much so. It's indescribable the reward that God promises us if we strive to get closer to him. And so how do I study God's word? First and foremost, go to it, read it, and read it again, and then read it again. And then as you do that, you will start building on that knowledge, taking in those things that God wants for us to, to, to note, that he wants us to apply, as long as we're not coming at it apathetically. And make sure that we are persevering in that study. You may be a Christian and you may realize that you've stayed on the milk just far too long. And I know that there are several people here who, who if that is the case, would love nothing more to help you with that. If you do struggle with that, if you need study, if you need someone to help you understand more about the gospel, about certain things throughout the Bible... You're not in a group of people who are going to say that they have perfect knowledge, but you have a group of people around you that will say, I'm willing and ready to help you. And so I would say use the brethren that you have here to just to be encouraged to progress in your faith and in the knowledge of the scriptures. If you're not a Christian, maybe you recognize that you have just a lack of that true Bible knowledge. Even maybe you can quote a, a passage or two like Judge Not. Maybe you realize that, that that's really all you know and, and you d haven't seen all those intricacies or the details that God so beautifully uh, has, has woven together. 
while that may be true, depending on who you are, it's not true across the board, but if it may be true, it doesn't take much to know how to become a Christian. We, beautiful news, this week had four different young ladies that became Christians this week and were added to the kingdom of God. They're all teenagers. And I'm not saying that to say that they, that they don't know anything. I think that they're smart young ladies. But that is to say that whether you are an 80-year-old man or even a young teenager who doesn't have all the experiences in the world, God has made it so accessible, his salvation, that anyone within that age group, anyone can come to him and understand and know how to be in relationship with him. And so do you want to be a part of that kingdom? Do you want to be added into a relationship with him this morning? If you do, if we can assist you in that, let your need be made known as we stand and as we sing.